Welcome to episode two of the End Studio podcast, hosted by AIAS Nebraska. This week, Geneva and Quinn sat down with Frank Ordea, who is beginning his second year of teaching at UNL. Graduating from the University of Texas, Austin, Frank brings a diverse background to the mic with his varying experiences in planning, policy, and preservation. We talk about his upcoming courses, his experience with the COVID shutdown, and the diversity and social justice within society and design. Welcome back, guys. I'm Quinn McFadden. I'm Geneva Sinkula. And this is the AIAS In-Studio Podcast. Uh, today we're joined by Frank Ordea. Um, and I'll throw it over to Geneva to give him a brief introduction since you know him. Yeah, so how did you get to Lincoln if you came all the way from Texas? Uh, good question. Uh, so my wife is a product of Lincoln, uh, or UNL, um, College of Architecture, and um, she well, we got married and then we moved to Austin uh, and um, she wanted to be closer to family um, and it made sense because we had a baby and uh, the opportunity came, came up at um, College of Architecture here and fortunately enough, they had a position for me as well and we moved. I mean, it's been a transition. It's nothing like Texas, but uh, getting used to the Midwest, understanding the the language, the subtle, um, subtleties of the language, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a learning curve. Right. So, for all the people that haven't had Frank in class, he always talks about his broad knowledge of a bunch of different topics. I feel like you've had a lot of different pivots in your career and even in your academics. What made you go to school in architecture school at UT Austin? for your master's degree and what kind of led up to that? Good question. Um, you know, so my academic and my, uh, not, not so much my academic, but my professional career has been kind of schizophrenic. Um, <laughs> the plan was to go to law school after uh, undergrad. And this is a lesson for you guys, not to be so rigid in your planning uh, because things change and, and um, they don't end up the way you plan them to, but I was set out on going to one school and one school only. And I lost my mind when I didn't get into that school. So I was feeling vulnerable and depressed and I got approached by some of my best friends that I knew from high school uh, that asked me if I wanted to help them start an oil and gas company. Not a smart decision, especially when you don't know the industry, but I said, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I went into the oil and gas uh, business. We were doing developmental drilling, uh, small shallow wells, about 20 miles south of Wichita Falls. Um, it was a steep learning curve, but once we started rolling, we were rolling really well um, for a good couple of years. And then 2008, the market didn't do, do so well. Uh, but prior to that, before the market went down, I was involved in some lease transactions, uh, negotiating lease terms with uh, landowners or, or the leases that we owned. Uh, so I got my real estate license. And then fast forward 
after the crash, um, we started purchasing um, toxic assets with one of my business partners and his granddad, who was a big real estate developer and also one of his partners. Um, then we got into remodeling homes. Um, and then the money wasn't coming fast enough, nor was it, nor was the, the pot big enough for, for the partners. And I was thinking about what to do next. And um, my wife suggested historic preservation, something I've never heard about, but um, she says it marries both of the things that I love very much, um, real estate, architecture, and history. And um, I uh, looked at the program at UT. It's a multidisciplinary uh, graduate program where, of course, you have to take um, all the required preservation classes, but you're also um, introduced to uh, planning, um, a couple law classes. Of course, you have to take uh, design studios. And, um, and they also encourage you to do or follow your interests, such as um, my interests were finance and uh, real estate development and, and policy. So, uh, yeah, and after, after that, well, one of my colleagues um, and good friends in graduate school and I started a, a planning policy and preservation firm um, where we worked with small towns, um, Economic Development Corporation, some um, rehabilitation projects. In fact, we won a award for a um, um, uh, rehabilitation project we did out in Taylor, Texas, um, helping with planning, policy, some design work. Um, so, you know, it's just been, yeah, so lesson of the day, don't be rigid. You don't know where life will take you. And I never thought I'd be in Lincoln, Nebraska, but. <laughs> Here you are. Gotcha. And what classes are you teaching this year? So this year I'm teaching architecture, history, and theory. It should be a fun class. I'm really excited about that one. Teaching a planning studio um, where we're going to be looking at something that's very important and, and um, critical in this time, which is um, evictions, people facing evictions with um, uh, being employed due to coronavirus. Um, we're going to talk about red line districts um, throughout Nebraska, not only just Lincoln and Omaha, but rural communities as well as uh, Native um, American communities as well. And then the third class I'll be teaching um, is uh, professional practice. Um, how do you do planning in the real world? Who do you talk to? How do you negotiate? What are what's expected of you ethically. Mm -hmm. All very kind of controversial topics, it seems like. I mean, in terms of like giving students skills that they'll need in the professional world, but not only like the specific topics in class that you were talking about, redlining, rehabilita uh, rehabilitating communities, even I'm sure that um, Topics are going to come up about when should you rehabilitate and how can you do that in a respectful manner not to disembody people from their communities, stuff like that. That's super interesting. Well, and to me, it doesn't seem like it's making it's a controversial topic. I think it's more so making students dangerous for the workforce because that's 
that's the new change that we're seeing in architecture school and the design as a profession. Uh, it's these kinds of topics that we're being taught, whether it's through our academics or through our uh, different kind of dialogues that we have on the side and coming into a culture that's a predominantly old white culture. Um, I think we can really stir up some change and that's a much needed change. Um, and I don't know if you've got any more thoughts on that, but I think, I think it's, I don't think it's controversial. I think it's a dangerous uh, thing or it's making us more dangerous for the future of the profession in a good way. No, I, I completely agree. In fact, Geneva, I'd love to hear what you think about what you just said about that, if you don't mind. No, yeah, I completely agree. It's something that Frank has always brought to our conversations, and not only do I see him as a professor, but even a mentor going through school, is that it's all about who you know, the skills you have, and what you can offer. And if you can do all those three in a fairly diverse manner and bring something to the table that not everyone is bringing, then you're set. And you can go pretty much wherever you want to go. So, I mean, I think Frank has a really great way of telling students in the most blunt way possible that Nebraskans aren't really used to. I'm still learning because right. uh, it's, it's not something that people do in the Midwest, be blunt, but I'm scaling it back a little bit, but sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I, I find it completely great just to cut and dry, like, you'll need these business skills, you'll need to know about finance, and it's something nobody talked about in architecture school, and if you get it in planning, then sure, you get it in planning, but... I don't know, just going through an internship this summer, I feel like I'm pretty prepared on the creative side of architecture, but in terms of how even to get a project in this climate of, you know, economy crashing and things like that, it's all about networking and bidding, and that's the kind of stuff that you, I feel like, have brought to the table for your students um, tenfold, but... Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I do think it's, it's important. I, I tend to see things because of my experiences, varied experiences. Um, is this going to work? How much is this going to cost? Is this feasible? Before I think about the design aspect. But, but you, you, everyone needs a person like that on a team, and I would need someone that thinks about how something looks like on a team as well. So it's, it's finding that right balance. And if you have one, you just need to um, increase the other portion of that. Yeah, got to have that complimentary business partner. Absolutely. I think you <laughs> learned that one too, right? <laughs> yep. So when classes got shut down last semester, um, last March, what was that like for you to convert your whole class into a Zoom-oriented type atmosphere it wasn't easy uh i mean <laughs> change change isn't ever easy um i i felt like i lost something um when we when we moved online because um, i couldn't feel the class i couldn't feel if you were listening um because i who knows you could be on your bed with your sheets all the way up to your neck and just have your laptop and i wouldn't know you know are you really paying attention? But, um, but over time, um, I think we all, I mean, even now, we've become accustomed to it. Uh, when I think about making a phone call, my thought is, 
via Zoom or FaceTime opposed to making a phone call or writing an email. So, um, yeah, it was difficult in April, end of March, April. Um, around May, it started to become normal, and now it's just how things are done. Do you see your classes in the fall being all virtual? Um, no, I, I want to ma maintain a, a I want to maintain contact with with students. Um, a couple of my my planning classes are are smaller, uh, but the architecture history is a pretty large class. Uh, I'm not sure if that would be feasible to um, have every day in person, uh, but I would like to do um, special activities with students, um, such as a, a scavenger hunt um, or um, a walking tour, things like that. Um, that class is easier online, I believe, than, it, 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 than the others. But I don't, I don't know. We're still trying to figure this stuff out, too. You know. Right. I'm not sure if that helps. I, I really don't know. I would like, I, of course, I would like things to go back to normal, but can't rush it. Not, not the place we're in right now. You're right. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we've quarantined for this long. Why? Why test it, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that you're thinking like that. Wish you would share that with um, um, other people in your demographic, which... Yeah, I wish that was a thought process about in June, uh, yeah. that we shouldn't test the waters quite yet, and maybe we'd be in a lot better situation right now, but... Um, yeah. So, you know, if you... If you love, it all depends, and it all depends on students, um, but if you love Husker football, do what it takes <laughs> for the university to have Husker football, right? If you want to have those same experiences as um, the classes, people in the classes before you, do the right thing so you can have those experiences. Um, this is not something personal. <laughs> you know, this is this is just where we are. I mean, I didn't anticipate having our lovely two-year-old um, at home all day as, you know, I'm trying to prep for classes or talk to colleagues and, and, and things like that, but that's just where we are. So do you think, do you think if someone such as yourself right now would come to you when you were our age and say, stay inside, wear a mask, don't celebrate your 21st birthday, bar hopping, you know, don't go out. What do you think you would have reacted to that? If you told 21-year-old Frank Ordea that, or asked me that question, I can't say that my answer would be, of course, no. Uh, I, no, I, I can't say yes to that. But what I can say is that um, if you love your lifestyle and you want to maintain that lifestyle, and I would do this, I would sacrifice. Um, I would sacrifice a little bit so I can continue the lifestyle that I know that I would enjoy. Right. Because I, I mean, the college student that was important to me going out, um, very important, but. Um, if I knew that was going to not be the case, just based on people's behaviors, and I was part of that, I, I would uh, I would change my behavior so I could 
have the fun that I wanted. Yeah, I think it's really hard for people our age, at least, to see long term. And they're like, if I'm going to continue my lifestyle, then why don't I just continue it? But in the end, we're all going to have to go through, you know, a little a little chunk to have our big chunk of time that we actually want to devote to whatever we want, mm-hmm. you know? No, I get it. It's like eating your vegetables first, you know? Mm-hmm. Just eat your vegetables, and then you can have your dessert. It's a good way to look at it. So did you have any big plans this summer that got interrupted by COVID? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, We had a couple weddings to go to um, in Dallas. My wife had a paper that she was going to present in um, Portugal and also in uh, somewhere in England. Um, And we were going to take that opportunity to travel around as well, but, you know, if yeah. that, that didn't happen. <laughs> are you going to reschedule some of those things? Well, I guess the weddings, it's up to them, but are you still going to travel after it's all done? I'm just trying to survive the fall. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, then I'll, I'll make some plans. Um, <laughs> that's going to be, I, I mean, it is already different, but, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not even in that space to think about fun or, I mean, of course, I'm always thinking about fun, but not, 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 not like that. Well, so obviously, obviously this whole COVID-19 situation has impacted the economy in more ways we could imagine. But I mean, there's a lot of questions we're starting to rise up too. of even going back to that topic there. Of, I mean, do you think the need for architects and the ways that we were needed before this all hit in like the entertainment industry or even in the office industry will uh, resume like normal as soon as this is over? Or do you think it's going to be some other alternative that it's going to take a lot of time to kind of get back to or what are your thoughts on that? I I think things are going to go back to normal um, to a degree. Um, As to how much, I, I can't say right now. I mean, we're living in a, a time of change. We realize that things have changed, but um, I don't know how hard it's hit us yet. I don't know because we're still in the middle of this thing, right? So there, there hasn't been much time to reflect. Some people have, have written some, um, some things and had some proposals as, as far as like what architecture is going to be like, what interior design is going to be like. Uh, other than working from home, I, I think people still – have that mindset of, you know, pre-COVID, like going back to what things were. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's too early for that. Right. I mean, what I hear in just an internship, so someone pretty lowly on the totem pole of information in a firm is just that when an economy busts, when something like a pandemic happens, that's when you plan projects. I mean, sure, you can't go full force into them, but you plan until you can receive capital to do that. And once it starts rebooting, that's, I mean, it just happens. So I think you're right in that people are still kind of in that mindset of we're going to get back to a somewhat of a normalcy eventually. But I have noticed at least in some design firms, that they're starting to pick up other disciplines. For instance, like you'll see 
an architecture company that's moving towards development or you'll see it going into offering a marketing package for a business when they would have only been used for like a physical building. So I think that transition's fairly exciting from my point of view, but I'm sure we're pissing off some people in the development marketing standpoint. <laughs> oh, it's a great time to diversify yourself. It's always a great time to diversify yourself whenever there's some type of a, um, a negative turn in, in the economy. Um, and I think, now I've always told my students this, if you're studying one thing, what do you enjoy and also what else are you good at? And if you could like fuse those two things together, um, you could create a very interesting niche for yourself um, and, uh, and make yourself more marketable um, in the workplace. Right. So obviously you've been listening to the news this summer and we have the pandemic, but we also have a race pandemic as well. So what was it like for you, downtown Lincoln, you know, during these riots, during these news headlines, going through your everyday life with that in the background? Uh, it's weird. Um, so, a black guy gets shot. I see it on the news. Um, watch the video, and it was horrible. And just like almost everybody else that looks like me. I went about my day. And then it comes up again because it's still very horrible to watch. And then like probably like the third, no, probably about like the fourth day that it's like leading the news. I was like, okay, something might be different, but it was a little hesitant. I was hesitant because this has been going on for such a long time, even with video evidence, and then nothing happened, right? And I'm not sure if it's like confluence of people being tired of being, you know, pent up at home, um, being unemployed. It's really almost nine minutes. Uh, but something was a little different. And then when I saw the protesters and I saw the majority of them, especially in Lincoln, were white. Well, that's majority of them. <laughs> uh, I, I felt better, you know? There's some solidarity, but then I was a little skeptical too because I was wondering, is this a fad? Is this the cool thing to do? This is what you do if you're woke, right? And then, you know, a uh, couple people come up to me, random people, uh, not practicing social distancing, putting their hands on me and saying they're sorry, which I appreciated, but I, I wanted them to understand that I hope they're not apologizing to me that I'm sorry that you're black, <laughs> but... You know, I'm sorry if this is happening to people that look like you. You know, there's a difference. And it kind of puts me in a weird situation because I am a black person, but I was born in Nigeria. I came here when I was four and a half. I, 
I'm, I'm black because I look like this. I mean, I'm associated with every other African-American and, and because I am um, everyone's, a lot of people's one black friend. I got a lot of calls and it, like, how do you explain this, this, uh, this crisis that's going on right now? And uh, I felt a lot of pressure, which is kind of weird. Um, but, and then some of them didn't even know, some of my friends didn't even know that I've experienced uh, um, police harassment, if you want to call it that. And they're like, it wouldn't happen to you. We know you're Frank. And it's like, yeah, like, been pulled over, asked if this car has been mine. One time, uh, me and my wife were in the car. She was asleep in the passenger seat car, or passenger seat of the car. I got pulled over. They asked her if she was okay. She was just asleep. Uh, got pulled over, going to the studio early one morning, asked this car was mine again. And then, um, what, um, what are you studying? Because he doesn't believe me. Um, I got pulled over. Well, I didn't get pulled over. I got stopped by a cop in a park um, waiting on a friend to go um, see a movie. Okay, it was a date. Go see a movie. Uh, and then, um, this is pre-marriage. And um, he, was asked, he asked me what I was doing in the park. And there were like a whole bunch of other people there. Like, why are you asking me that? But all that's to say that I, I am hopeful. This is, this has um, kept our attention for a very long time. I don't think it's going anywhere soon. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. I still feel weird about it. I and I can't explain that, but I am hopeful. Sorry yeah. for that rant. No, I like the rant. I think it's good for us to listen to that. I mean, like you said, Nebraska. It's it's pretty isolated in terms of like diversity. Um, like, where is the inclusion? Where does even our college of what 500 people fall in this argument too like what are we doing to help and I'm just I'm pretty happy that it's been a continued topic of I guess learning educating because at that point all we can do is support you know like you were saying like supporters versus um apologize but i think we could take that one step further and we've seen other people do it too there's now the movement of design as a protest which is nothing new but given the recent events has become another um topic that's trending all over i know um pascal sablon uh who was kind of this kind of background organizer that no one ever gave her the time of day for now all this has happened all of a sudden now she's on top of everything everyone wants to listen to her and I think, it's, I think it's kind of this realization that a lot of us who want to make a change, people who maybe look like me, who are white, who understand that they're privileged, to understand that maybe this is not, while we want to, we're desperate to do something, this isn't maybe the place for us to do something. So instead, we'll take that step back, actively listen and engage in the community and look for those people who do know the, or not necessarily know the answers, but they they know the subject matter better, and we're there that we can then promote that message or we can, we can help spread that message or help spread the good uh, behind that. And it's not, 
I mean, our own chapter faced it too of where we were too eager to get ahead of it. But when you look at it, does it look bad that there's a bunch of privileged white kids speaking on this issue when none of us have ever have ever witnessed anything or even and we're just trying to go up there and we're going to attempt to feel like we can take something that we've experienced and turn it into something that we have no idea how that even feels to be in a place like your shoes or uh, victim shoes across the nation right now. Um, and that's just something that I think everyone's struggling with right now because you're either you're either trying to make those changes or you're taking that kind of not necessarily a backseat, but you're, you're letting someone else drive and you're supporting them through those decisions and whatever they need to help spread that message. I think that was uh, very intelligent. Uh, you're right. Um, at the end of the day, as you were saying, uh, you can protest all, all, all you want, but um, when you wake up the next morning, you go to bed and wake up the next morning, you don't look like me, right? And the same, and the things that affect me don't affect you. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about because then it's like, it's not your fault. You want to do more, but like, what, what is too much, you know? Um, what's not in my lane? When am I being offensive by trying to be, I guess, overly helpful, overly aware? It's a tricky subject, but these conversations are good because I don't have all the answers myself. You know, there's um, a couple. Um, so one thing COVID has allowed us to do more is take uh, like three family walks a day, you know, bring out the whole stroller and the big dog. And uh, so we, we, we walk around campus quite a bit. And there was a couple uh, that approached us and said that they've seen us or older. Um, they've been seeing us around and uh, they wanted to introduce themselves and uh, the guy said, do y'all work here or one of y'all both of you? Like, oh, we both work here. And he said, do you coach? And I was like, oh. <laughs> now, he obviously wasn't trying to, he wasn't being sensitive. Perhaps I look athletic, maybe, right? Um, but how would I have felt if that was, if I was a white person and he had asked me if I, if I was a coach, I know I wouldn't be feeling the same way I did when he asked me if I was a coach as a black guy, you know? So these things are very hard. Uh, obviously I was nice to the gentleman, he didn't know me, but, um, yeah, it's 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 tricky. It's tricky, but it's it's okay to mess up. It's okay to mess up. Yeah, I just think, I mean, we're not going to change anything without being a little uncomfortable. And I yeah. think it's better to make a mistake and maybe go too far than just sit back seat and you know watch the world go around you trying to make this effort. I don't know. It's it's tricky because it's like. How would we know? You know, like everyone's got that dad who might say something like that, it seems like. I mean, I'm sure even I have family members that are just trying to be nice and introduce themselves, and you don't even know you're doing it, which I think is the really good thing right now with all the like anything from like a podcast to an article to, I mean, 
there's just so much out there of like educational materials to try to take you outside of yourself and see yourself in like a different light, you know? Yeah, loneliness is one of the greatest when you're stuck at home with nothing to do, whether that's your choice or the government's with a shutdown. Uh, gives you some real great time to reflect on a lot of things. And I think this is a thing that more people should be doing right now uh, with everything in mind. Absolutely. So not to keep on this subject for too long, but uh, transition, I mean, every year I, being involved with AIS and on a kind of a higher student level, I hear all the stuff for NCARB and like the American Collegiate Schools of Architecture. And every year it's the same thing where it's like 2% of architects are African-American or, uh, and then there's a smaller portion of that, that, or a slightly larger portion that's a person of color or only 30, 40% are women that are licensed. And they keep, they keep telling these statistics each year as if that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or if it's their attempt to make it better by reporting it. Um, but I mean, is there any, I don't know the right way to even phrase this, but it's these, it's these difficult conversations that we need to have of why, why is that number so low and why has it been so low for so long? Um, and obviously architecture with the licensure process, it's not something that we can't just storm into an architecture building, demand for it to flipped overnight because it's going to take seven to 10 years for you to get your education, get licensed. And maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's just... Yeah, that, that is an aspect of the problem. I think, first of all, to increase, let's say, let's focus on, on black architects. To increase the number of black architects that we have, we have to show black students, black kids, that there are um, black architects out there, right? Uh, people want to uh, be something that they can see, right? It's easier to aspire to something if you could see someone that looks like you. Um, that is that um, that is in that profession. Uh, so that that's the first thing. Two, just like I, I told students with um, different development projects, um, do they do they accomplish what they said that they wanted to do? Or looking at a city plan, what is your plan? Our goal is to do X. Well, what have you done to actually get to X? Right. Like, how how are you recruiting? Are you recruit, recruit well? Are you even recruiting black black uh, architects? Are you encouraging them to to take that route? Um, so it's more like um, I mean, just put your money where your mouth is. That's 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 how I see this thing. Just trying to find a more eloquent way to say it, but nah, that's pretty much it. If you care. Show me your effort. Show me what work you've done to increase diversity. And then, you know, we can assess from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, how do you feel? Do you, do, do you have, uh, how, many, how many of your um, associates are, or fellow students are African-American or, or people of color? In my class, I graduated, to my knowledge, Zero. The only students of color we had uh, were international students from Iran or Vietnam, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but I'm fairly confident in saying that. I mean, if, if everyone wasn't white or 
some version of white, whether that's Hispanic um, or, I mean, we didn't have the, the minorities that are truly minorities in architecture at all. And I see more people or more students that are more diverse in the years below me and every, I, I mean, I think it fluctuates each year, but I, I just know as a student going through it and if I was not in the position, if I didn't have the financial support I did for my parents, there's no way I would have even made it through like first year. Architecture school is so expensive uh, and that's the tuition alone. And then uh, you've got your weekly prints, your 3D models, your printed models, uh, the drive and ability to not have a job because uh, you're pull, pulling late nights, multiple nights out of a week to get a project done um, and stuff like that. And so I, I personally don't think I would have been able to do it if I didn't have the support I did from my more privileged family. Um, and so I wonder if that's an aspect of it too, but that's just... Uh, Are you saying that architecture as a field is inherently exclusionary? Yes. Like it prices out uh, minorities because of uh, lower income, coming from lower income families and whatnot? Yep. I mean, I just think about like how I got interested in it. I don't think I would have, you know, even known about this discipline if I didn't have the education I had or even think about traveling. One's like the best place or the best time to be exposed to architecture is when you're traveling. And not everyone has that luxury and I realize that. And yeah, it's just, it's weird thinking about it because it's so like in the back of your mind that, you know, you're just here and you're grinding every day in studio and you make those necessary moves like from someone that is all financial aid going through school, like it's just something I, yeah, I do. But then I come from a family that both my parents, they knew they didn't have money, so they went to the army. I'm sure it's a slightly different mentality in other communities, but it's like, so what's your go-to if you don't have money for college to pursue this degree? Well, then you go get a job. You know, you go to trade school, you go to community college. You know, like, it's just all that, what you're exposed to in your environment. And if we don't have environments that are open or have inclusion to all these different opportunities or topics, then it's going to stay the same. I mean, you're so right with, like, looking up to somebody in the field and then seeing yourself there, like, as a girl, I mean, we're 50-50 now in architecture school, but I remember like talking about it in high school and being like, oh wow, like you're a STEM field now and you know, you're raising the bar for women. And I'm just like, no, I'm not, <laughs> it's 50-50. Like, it's an issue that I didn't myself have to bear, but now we have a similar issue just with race and it's just really interesting to, I guess, see the privilege that I had to roll my eyes at one problem that happened in these past decades, and now we have another one. And it's now my duty to educate myself and hopefully be someone to others that can educate and talk about my passion. I mean, I'm sure that's the easiest way to start getting people involved. 
So what's the lesson here? Donate money after you make your big bucks in the firms that you're going to be working in back to the university or to the college for those people that you described so they don't have to worry about all the other expenses while they're just trying to pay tuition and work through the studio. If we make big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You'll make big bucks. I I have so much confidence in you guys. I mean, you're doing this. Yeah, that's true. Well, we, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. This is only episode two. Uh, uh, this has been a really great discussion. And before we let you go, though, uh, we like to kind of ask everyone that we have on these last uh, few questions here of uh, – just, I mean, I hate using the word amid. I think amid is the word of the decade uh, or the word of the year right now. Um, but with everything going on and the climate that we have right now um, with all these different pandemics um, and just life in general, what what has kept you inspired or has made you inspired and or what are you optimistic about going forward? You got it, Frank. You always have these little pieces of inspiration to offer your students. No, um, you're right. And it, it goes back to the students. So I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that um, students will continue to advocate for themselves. Um, and, and I mean, quite frankly, you guys are, look at me as a Midwesterner saying you guys, um, but y'all are your best um, uh, facilitators for, for your education. Um, and I think that you guys see the, the wrong um, bills of, of society. And I think y'all's heads are on straight. And you're, you, you'll work towards righting the wrongs, I guess, like your generation especially. Um, but, you know, we don't have all the answers. I definitely don't have all the answers. I don't, and I'm sorry if I'm not answering the question directly, but I think you guys have so much potential. If you could just like put your phones down for a little bit, stop worrying about your Instagram clout, um, and, and just find something that you're interested in that isn't, social media or whatever, and, and uh, get the work. And I, I think you guys will help shape a better society. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Put your phones down, listeners. But after you listen to our podcast. <laughs> you can only use your phones on Wednesdays to listen to this podcast right here right now to hear other hot takes from other professors and professionals all right franks thank you so much for having having um the time to even do something like this i know it's probably like the weirdest request to get out of the blue but we were so excited to have someone like you on something to break up the <laughs>